Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to the Dungeon of Doom. It is Wednesday, August 23rd. Um, Lions have just wrapped up training camp just a few minutes ago. Uh, I am joined by Ben Raven, believe it or not, who's <laughs> back from Italy. Um, ben, I, I, the, the pasta weight doesn't show. <laughs> you know, you, there's so many hills walking around Italy. You know, you can really justify eating a <laughs> loaf of bread and four orders of pasta and yeah. enough spritz to last the year for sure. So yeah, we're, we're doing all right. Trying not to think about where I was a week ago. Okay, so I know I'm putting you on the spot here. We didn't talk about this off air or anything, but I, I got to know what's the best thing you ate in your week in Italy? Oh, yeah. I, 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 I kind of have to lean... I thought it was going to be the cuttlefish ink ravioli with salmon that I had in a small little Italian countryside town. But uh, we we did it big. My girlfriend Elaine and I did it big in Rome, had reservations, yeah. and I got the most decadent black truffle meatballs on a type of pasta I couldn't pronounce if I had the pronunciation guide in front of me right now that just kind of... Elaine bought, <laughs> bit into her food and almost started crying. So uh, the black truffle meatballs at the top of the list. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I had a plain coney dog at the stadium on Saturday night. Yeah, I saw the continental breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't say the words I'm thinking right now. <laughs> uh, like I said, Lions, Lions just wrapped up training camp. Um, they're off on Thursday. They have the preseason finale on Friday in Carolina. Um, I'll be down there for that. Um, and then after that, Ben, we'll we'll roll right into roster cuts, and that's yeah. always a big time, you know, for us on the beat. Um, tough time for the players and the coaches as they, as they make really difficult decisions, and that's true every year. I think it's especially true this year no for doubt. Detroit because you and I have talked about, you, you know, like when people ask me, "What's the biggest reason why this isn't just hype? Why this team could actually be as good as as people say this team could be?" And I my go-to answer is depth. I, I just haven't seen this kind of depth maybe ever in my, you know, this, this is my 11th training camp. I'm an old guy now, uh, as Dan Miller loves to, loves to remind <laughs> me, <laughs> even on the air. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Oh, um, but no, like I, I just haven't seen this kind of depth and it's not true everywhere. Every team's got holes. This team has them too. You know, there's some decisions to make a receiver. They might only keep five receivers because mm-hmm. I think it's been a little bit uninspiring the last week or so. 
in the back end of that competition. And we do have Dylan Drummond coming up on the back end of this podcast, by the way. Um, uh, one of the guys, one of the leading candidates, I would say, for that last job at wide receiver. Wow. Really great story going from a tryout in the spring mm-hmm. to legitimately on the bubble right now. And um, so it was good to catch up with Dylan. We have that coming up in the back end. Um, but Ben, there's really, really good competition happening at pass rusher. I have no idea what they're going to do, but if they cut Ooh, yeah. a, a big name, it wouldn't surprise me. Julian Aquara. I think James Houston is safe at this point yeah. after a really good week or, t- or two um, down the stretch, but linebacker is really, really deep. They could play five guys conceivably at that position and a sixth can make it to like Anthony Pittman because of what he can do on special teams. So I'm curious what you've seen in regards to the depth, uh, some of these difficult decisions the Lions have to make going forward. Yeah, when the biggest gripe from fans on the outside is backup quarterback and offensive tackle depth, you're doing pretty well because that's a league-wide issue for sure. And yeah, but you said it right there, the pass rusher thing. I'll touch on James Houston because I think that's kind of been a surprising thing for people not here every day is to see where he's at at the rotation. I mean, I think he had a quiet start to camp because he was doing things that he's not very good at right now but I think the fact remains that when you have an elite specialist like that I, I feel pretty safe putting him on the right side of the bubble but yeah just the pass rusher depth is unbelievable I mean it really is like you said I mean there's Romeo Aquara, there's Charles Harris back Josh Pascal's back healthy and I mean there's gonna be a big name that's gonna take some people off that gets cut from this team but it, like we're in that phase where it's a good problem to have I mean I, I think right now the Mosley injury is kind of standing out because you're looking at another season starting with a Jacobs or the new Jerry Jacobs. No offense, Matt, for Starling Thomas there on at CB2, but uh, it's across the board depth. I mean, the second team in those joint practices I saw against the Giants because I was gone last week was like, my God, they're like, there's so much competent. There's so many competent football players on this roster. There's so many guys that fit what this team wants to do. There's so many... Yeah, it's just, it's the deepest roster I've seen. This is my fifth training camp, and that makes me feel weird to say too, but it's just uh, absolutely eons past where it was, even when Dan took Dan Campbell took over, and especially when I started on this beat. I mean, the depth in places that they haven't had in years just slaps you across the face. I mean, Derek Barnes, man, Derek Barnes. Well, yeah, yeah. We, we talked about having him on the podcast this week. It, it didn't work out. Um with scheduling yeah scheduling <laughs> conflicts he's a he's a he's a big deal these days <laughs> but it's crazy because they drafted jack campbell to start day one you don't take mm-hmm. any non-quarterback 18th overall without the expectation that guy's gonna play and let's be honest start yeah. right away and that's especially true at a non-traditional position for that high in the draft like linebacker you mm-hmm. you massively overdrafted the position that's just a reality in today's nfl and you did it because he's so good yeah. um, and so athletic and so big. And in addition to all of that, he's the kind of guy you can build your whole defense around for, for a decade. That's what his, mm-hmm. his, you know, Kirk Ferentz said, the Iowa coach. And everything we've seen and heard since Jack Campbell arrived on campus has affirmed that. And yet, and yet, <laughs> in, the, in the scrimmage they had um, this week, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a heavy scrimmage. I don't remember a more violent training camp practice ever. Like that, It was live tackling and yeah. everything, which really surprised me. Um, Jack Campbell's with the twos. Derek Barnes with the ones. And it's, and it's a real testament to how well Derek Barnes has practiced. I'm eager to catch up with him and, and learn more about 
his growth yeah. because Derek Barnes is someone we've heard is coming. Derek Barnes is coming. Derek Barnes <laughs> How is coming. How many times have I read And <laughs> it just felt like coach speak yeah. because he wasn't that guy. And now he is. And it's not that Jack Campbell isn't living up to expectations for a rookie linebacker. He he is. I mean, he led the team in tackles each of the first yeah. two preseason, uh, preseason games. He's very effective in the box. We've seen him drop well into coverage, had a nice third down pass breakup in the preseason. Um, but Derek Barnes is just practicing better. And mm-hmm. at this point, I, I think facing Patrick Mahomes in week one, they just might trust a third-year veteran who's been around and has more track record than a rookie making his first NFL uh, appearance yeah. um and so yeah the the and that's not even talking about Malcolm Rodriguez who had a big hit in the oh. the, the, the scrimmage oh, yesterday yeah. oh. uh, Gibbs if I remember I right in the was. Flat, yeah um just lit him up um and we're not even getting to Jalen Reeves Mabin who's a totally capable backup or mm-hmm. even Anthony Pippen like I said who's a good special teams or so but the the I don't think there's a big roster decision to make or a tough one at linebacker basically the the top um, six guys in uh, Zaloni and Derek Barnes are obviously going to, I think, start week one. Jack Campbell will work into that mix as, uh, as well. He's clearly the future. Um, and then Malcolm Rodriguez, I think, we'll see some of him as well. And then Jalen Reeves Maven. Really, the the, the yeah. big question in terms of the roster construction at that position is, do you have enough room to also carry Anthony Pittman as a special teamer? And I think that's something they want to do. I, I believe Pittman played the third most special team snaps last year. But if you need that extra roster spot for uh, another running back or another receiver, what have you, then a guy like Pittman might go. Um, ben, how do you see the? You know, we talked about the pass rushers, but like, how do you see that breaking down going into cut week? The pass rushers, yeah, yeah, the pass rushers. Gosh, yeah, I, I, I do view Charles Harris at the top of the rotation on the other side, opposite Hutchinson. I really think him and Kaminsky are going to be a heavy dose on that side, rotating yeah. in. I mean, they are really. They are rotating their pieces like crazy, but Charles Harris has come back. And I think from what I've seen, he's really looked like Charles Harris. You know, the guy, the guy with the big question mark has been one of the biggest playmakers in the preseason. And that is Julian O'Quara. I mean, I, I really do think that he needs to put it all out there once again. And that's crazy to say for a third round pick who's finally healthy and finally making plays, but it's just such a deep room. And I really, really think James Houston is on the right side of that bubble. I you know, I was concerned about Romeo Aquara for a while, but I do think that he is kind of getting his feet back under him again. And I mean, they they know what he can do. They he's shown it, and I I think he, I think he might be safe. But I, I right now I do kind of see Julian as the odd man out, and that just speaks to the depth right now. I am very yeah yeah. That, do you, how do you feel about that? Because yeah, I, I think the same yeah, way. You know, Julian Aquara, I think is listen. He had he had the three sack yeah. in the preseason opener, and that's really nice. A lot of times, though, you you just have to remember there's no starters out there. So the guys who are seeing play, by and large, are either rookies or genuine bubble players. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the three sacks are nice, but you need to do more than that to make a team. And it's really the body of work, and his body of work has not held up, I think, against um, his brother, Romeo. No. Nope. Um, and also, Romeo has the track record. He's you know he's been a good, productive pass rusher for this team. To have a guy like that coming off the bench behind uh, Aiden Hutchinson, 
in Charles Harris is a real luxury. Uh, Josh Pascal's come a long way, the third round yeah. pick from last year, who I thought played pretty well down the stretch last year, despite being behind the eight ball with the injury. Mm-hmm. And he's been very disruptive in camp. I'm writing down 93 in my notepad every other day because of a TFL or a sack or what have you. Julian just hasn't been that guy. He, and I hate to say it because he you look at him and it's like, what yeah. a monster. Yeah. He is yeah. so rangy and so athletic. I mean, he's just a big, big dude. But I, I think the skill set just hasn't evolved in the way they would like. And I think ultimately he'll be one of those um, he'll be one of those tough, tough cuts um, come next week. Let's shift to the secondary. And you are right. I think the, the Emmanuel Mosley injury on the perimeter. Uh, outside quarterback, you know, that, that thins out the the depth a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think they have a very capable starting lineup in Cam Sutton and Jerry Jacobs. Those guys have been productive NFL players. Jerry, not, so, not, not as much as Cam, but Jerry plays with the style this coaching staff really likes. And also he's another year removed from the ACL injury. And so I think they're going to get a better version of Jerry Jacobs this year. My concern there is is the lack of depth without Emmanuel yeah. Mosley and what that means, especially if Mosley goes on an injured list to open the season, which I think at this point is a probably a, a likelihood. And then they have two undrafted guys fighting for positioning behind them, both of whom could make it. That yeah. would be that'd be unreal. I don't remember two undrafted corners making the same team, but Starling Thomas the fifth looks like a staple on special teams. I think he's won a gunner job. Uh, he's been the third co- corner throughout camp. And then in more recent days, um, Stephen Gilmore has really impressed the coaching staff um, and done that via, I mean, pretty good coverage. And even when he's made a mistake, like we saw, he he allowed a 48-yard bomb in the uh, preseason game against Jacksonville. That's bad. You know, didn't get his head around in time. He actually had pretty good position on the play, just didn't get the head around. And the guy was able to make the play. But then he comes right back. And, and and gets the head around at the goal line and, and bats away a pass at the goal line, picks off a pass later in the game. Uh, and like Dan Campbell said, you know, that, that's he showed Stephen Gilmore showed in that game. He, he's the kind of guy they're looking for, a guy who can handle a little adversity um, and and still, uh, you know, still keep going. It, it is just jarring to see with all that money and the resources put into the secondary that you are still time is a flat circle, one injury away to two undrafted cornerbacks starting opposite like Cam Sutton, kind of like in the Okuda role that we thought he was going to be in. It's concerning. It's more concerning that Mosley's not available going into a matchup against Patrick Mahomes because I know Jerry Jacobs is a veteran. Like you said, he's another year removed from that ACL injury. I just like this team's chances a lot more when he's that guy that's rotating in. He's not eating every snap because if you thought Aaron Rodgers picked on Jerry Jacobs every time he saw 39 in coverage – 15 for the Chiefs is going to do it even more. And that mm-hmm. ball's going to be dropping on his head from angles he's never thought possible. So I like Jerry. I like his fit in this team, but I am concerned if he's starting the season. That That is the one depth spot. You kind of banked on Mosley being there in week one. And I mean, he was out there in Mount Patricia a little bit today, <laughs> but it's still not looking like he's going to be ready in what, 12, 13 days, something like that. So there, there's a slight concern there, especially with who you're playing in the first game. Real briefly at safety, I you know the top guys are apparent at this point: yeah. CJ Gardner Johnson and Kirby Joseph. I've been back there every day for a number of weeks now. Tracy Walker is, is coming off the bench. That I think 
if we're talking about depth of this team. That's yeah. what we're talking about. This, yeah, that that right guy there. used to be a captain, <laughs> the, the leader of the position. Yeah. And he's, I think he's practicing better now, like than he has since his injury. Like it's not, I don't, I haven't seen a dramatic fall off. He looks no. like the Tracy of old and he's not even a starter. And he used to be the top guy at the position. <laughs> I think that says a lot about the, the, the depth they've mm-hmm. accumulated over the past couple of years that Dan Campbell's talked so much about. And, and we see it. It's not just talent, but it's the kind of guys they want to play with a guy like Kirby Joseph, a guy like Gardner Johnson. I mean, those guys are Big physical players who mm. ball hawk and Tracy Walker is a nice player who doesn't ball hawk. And now you just have options. You've thrown Brian Branch on the slot. There's all kinds of combinations you can throw out there. If there's an injury, you have multiple different ways that you can compensate for that and not really lose anything. And that's depth in the NFL because, I mean, let's face it, there's going to be an injury coming. And to have a guy like Tracy Walker who can come off the bench enough versatile pieces like Branch, like Garner Johnson, okay. who can move around the defense. Jerry Jacobs can come into the slot if need be. Um, there's just a lot of ways they can go with, with the secondary. There's a lot to like about, about the depth back there. Let's get to the offense, why don't we? Um, there's a really nice competition brewing at, I guess, quarterback, but I <laughs> think if... The scrimmage is any <laughs> indication. I think Nate Sudfeld's in trouble because yeah. he didn't take a single snap. Teddy Bridgewater uh, took all the, the second team snaps there behind Jared Goff. More interestingly, at, at running back, we know the top two, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery. Those guys have been really good in camp. Uh, Montgomery, a really effective pounder between the tackles. Gibbs might be the fastest man in camp, especially with uh, J-Mo Hurt. But behind them is an interesting proposition between guys like I think Craig Reynolds is probably the leader for the position, but you got Jamar Jefferson, former seventh round pick. You got Benny Snell, who's a core special teamer in, yeah. in Pittsburgh. Uh, anything stand out to you, Ben, about the the running back battle? I, I, I do think Craig Reynolds is kind of, they know who Craig is, you know, and you know what Craig's ceiling is. And you mentioned Jamar Jefferson. He is kind of the dark horse of the group to me because he has, made some important improvements on special teams. And I mean, he's had a lot of time to focus on it because we haven't seen the guy play much in the three years that he's been here. Gosh, it's already been. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely crazy. I mean, that's someone you look at, they're like, is there more here? Is there more here? Or do you just go with what you know in Craig Reynolds? He's a hard charging guy. He's the same guy. You know what he he's capable of. He knows the offense. So I, I really do think it's Craig Reynolds. You know, I was, I was interested by Benny Snell and uh, Devine, Zigbo. I mean, those are two two twenty five plus running backs, and I kind of was curious about just I don't know, Jason. Yeah, the yeah, the beef. I I literally <laughs> asked beef, uh, and uh, I I just haven't been blown away by Jason Cabenda. I think he's kind of been a liability at fullback at times when he's been asked to do something with the ball in his hands, and I'm just was kind of curious if one of those beefy guys could maybe slide over there, but. Not much going, but yeah, I think it's Craig Reynolds at RB3. It's been a weird summer at RB3. Justin Jackson, I thought, like it was literally like days after Justin Rogers and I looked at each other and said, yeah, well, Justin Jackson feels like RB3. And then he retired. So yeah, yeah, just uh, I think you know what you have in Craig and you, you put Craig there and you hope for the best with Jefferson on the practice squad if you can do that. I um I really don't think when you talk about tight end, I think we all know Sam Laporta is going to be the guy there. Yeah. Rock Wright and James Mitchell coming off the bench. I think it's it's chalk. Uh, at yeah, that position, uh, offensive line, <laughs> we know the big six. Yeah. None, none of those guys have, <laughs> has even played in the preseason. That's always a good sign for right. roster chances. <laughs> I still don't know if they've picked a right guard. That's probably one notable thing to to throw out there. You know, Vitae and 
Graham Glasgow have alternated first team reps in the scrimmage, the alternated series with mm-hmm. the first team. I, I don't think they picked a guy. I ultimately think it'll be Glasgow just because of, he, he's more durable, more reliable. Reliability is an important piece of the picture up front. They haven't, I mean, that's not, they haven't had a consistent starting five in a million years at this point, uh, 2021, or, right? Yeah. 21, right? Yeah. Like, it's crazy right. to think. So um, I think, if there's a tie, which maybe is what we're looking at, then maybe Glasgow gets the edge because of that. But they love Vitae's run blocking. And mm-hmm. let's face it, they want to run the football. I mean, with the way they've yeah. invested in this team with the you know, 12th overall pick in Gibbs, all the money they threw at Montgomery. I just like, like Vitae fits that running vision, maybe even a little bit better than Glasgow. But Glasgow is a really solid player, really durable guy. Um I think that's kind of what we're looking at. It's probably a Graham Glasgow at, at right guard. See, I was leaning Big V. I was, I'm leaning Big V. Just, I, I think if it's a tie, I think Panay Sewell has a like legit chemistry and bond with Big V. And just like I, I think they, I think they're like one two step. They're in the same motion, and I just haven't been able to ignore how many center reps Glasgow continues to get. And I think. There's some versatility there. Graham's going to see some time, but I, I have been leaning big V just because I'm like, all right, he's standing on two feet. He's healthy. And he is that run grader. He's just a yeah. run grader. And I, yeah, I, I hear that. Um, Glasgow does take a lot of center ups. I think that's because Frank Ragno has a, right. uh, an <laughs> yeah. angry, an angry toe and the toe is inoperable. He told me that this summer. So it's a situation where he has to learn, learn yeah. to live with the pain. And he did that last summer goes out there the first game of the year and aggravates the injury yeah. and ended up playing through pain uh, most of the year. And he told me in Carolina last year where it was like zero degrees and the field was like concrete, oh, that it was yeah. excruciating. So he was able to maintenance that, still played at a Pro Bowl level. But I think the, the one of the attractive things about bringing in Glasgow is that he's a guy who can be your legit right guard, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. but can also slide over to center very capably. He, he's played center in Detroit before, started at that position. Um, so if something happens uh, to Ragnow, Glasgow is going to be the guy there. I don't take Glasgow taking center reps as a detriment to his starting candidacy at right guard. I think it's a situation where if, if I'm Dan Campbell, I'm starting Graham Glasgow at right guard because I know he's going to be out there every single day. And you don't know that about Big V. And if something does happen to Ragnow, you can slide Glasgow over to center. Yeah. No problem. And then Big V will be your guy at right guard. You're totally right then that big v is a road grader at that position he's a he's a he's a mountain mm-hmm. and having him next to Pene Sul, who we all know what he's about <laughs> punishing as hell having those guys uh next to each other i think is very attractive when it comes to running the football the thing is is that i've never been particularly impressed by vitae's pass blocking no yeah, and yeah. this team or as much as they want to run the football and as much as they've talked about improving the defense this team is going as far as Jared Goff takes them. Mm-hmm. And if something happens to Jared Goff, <laughs> uh, we're all we're all doing draft preview stories. And, you know, it, I don't think Vitae is a huge liability, but if you can get 15, 20% better in the passing game with having Glasgow out there and having basically the same thing in the mm-hmm. in the run game, that that's why I would go Glasgow over Big V. But I like I think they're even weighing some of the same stuff that we are because, no like I said, it's the last day of camp and they're still out there alternating first team reps. Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it was one of the most fascinating battles to watch coming into camp, and it's finishing camp is one of the biggest question marks. Fascinating in, in camp, and then there's the preseason where the big six not you know they're not, they're not playing, and fascinating is not the word I would use to watch. Oh, God no, the backup <laughs> offensive line. 
And let, like, it's probably one of the most <laughs> most asked questions we get these days is about the backup offensive line and just how trash it is. So the thing that everyone has to understand is that you only see the Lions because that's that's your team and you're watching the, their preseason games and it's trash because it is. It is. It's been so bad. It's been painful to watch, especially if you're Nate Sudfeld or Teddy Bridgewater. But it's true for 31 other teams in the NFL too. Mm-hmm. The offensive line play, like you have good players across the league, but there's no one that's like got a second team offensive line that is going to like right. withstand a pass rush. And so it's been difficult to watch. But, like, you're not going to see Brad Cecil playing center in the regular season. You're not going to see Connor Galvin or, or or probably not Bobby Hart, although maybe he's played his way into the bubble for the last spot on the team. I, I don't know. But, like, Jermaine Effetti is not going to be playing left tackle, you know. So it, it's a totally different situation when you have the entire second team offensive line out there. They're, they are still looking for a guy or two. Um, I think the fifth round pick, uh, Colby Sorstall, is in good shape to make the team as as one of the interior um, backups, and I think that leaves maybe one more name left at the position for like a guy like you know Matt Nelson or Kate Ayahuasca or somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I think the competition has been a little uninspiring. But I, also, I think I really like the big six, and that includes a guy coming off the bench, and that's a very good position to be uh, in the NFL where offensive line depth is can be atrocious yeah and having whether it's glasgow or vitae off the bench already gives you one of the best backup offensive linemen in the league and that does get lost when you're seeing matt nelson be a swinging gate or if eddie being a swinging gate and yeah you said it best nobody nobody has taken that job so i side with matt nelson just based on familiarity so and based on when the way they repped this week and even including when they were doing some insult today of Mm -hmm. the kansas city game plan We have to be very careful about what we say. Right. They, they get a little, you know, sensitive. <laughs> We've had more talks, yes. Makes sense. They did some stuff today. I'm, my eyebrows perked. I'm like, oh. Yep. Oh. No doubt. That's that's interesting. <laughs> we can't say <laughs> but, it, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I can say that it looked like Matt Nelson has won the backup tackle job. He was out there as a swing tackle and some some of the install for Kansas City. Um, so let's go to receiver. And I left that one for the last on purpose because we have Dylan Drummond coming up. You know, you see how, how, I, how I did that? Bro. Yeah. <laughs> Dylan Drummond's one of the um, the leaders for the, the the final receiver job. And that job, that competition, Ben, is very wide open. Mm-hmm. Dan Campbell came out and said publicly at a press conference this week that there's a job or two to be decided uh, at that position. And it's kind of like we're at the last checkpoint of a really long process this off season. Even if you go back to the spring where they've had to cut Quintez Cephas because of his gambling stuff, they had to cut Stanley Berryhill. They lost Jamison Williams for six games to suspension. And so that left more opportunities in camp, including a job going into the season because of the JMO thing. Um, and then JMO hurt his hamstring, which gave more first team reps to some of the backup guys. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown, has missed the last week of practice or so. Uh, Denzel Mims is brought in to compete. Yeah, he right. was lost for weeks and has been cut. I mean, it's just been, there's been a lot of like injuries and suspensions and everything else that has really um, hurt the back end of that rotation. And I still really like their stable of receivers, but I like it a lot more with JMO out there. Yeah. And with JMO out, you're looking at Amon Ross St. Brown has been unbelievable in camp. I would say the best player on the field. For Detroit, just watching that guy work every day this summer has been unbelievable. But then after that, uh, it kind of falls off a little bit. And we saw that when Aman Ra missed the last week or so of practice, including joint practices with the Jaguars. And the offense kind of ground to a halt. We mm-hmm. saw a lot of dink and dunk from Jared Goff. 
Um, and in the scrimmage uh, this week, the defense took him to the Woodhouse a little bit. I don't remember the final score. It was like 63-25. I don't know. Something in that area. Not that the score really matters, but it gives some illustration of just how much the defense dominated. And again, not having Amon Ra really hurts. Amon Ra counts for about half the targets from Jared Goff. So without having him on the field, it's a lot more Khalif Raymond, for example, in the slot. We saw a lot of Sam Laporte in the tight end. He uh, in the in the slot, um, Laporta caught six balls, which was a team high in the in the scrimmage. Um, there's Josh Reynolds in the conversation at receiver. Yeah. Um, Marvin Jones in the conversation at receiver. Solid guys, decent number two options in the NFL. Probably better served as number threes. Um, it'd be better with JMO out there, but he's not out there. It has left opportunities for a guy like Dylan Drummond in the back end um, for that fifth or sixth job, or a guy like J- Chase Cota. These are undrafted guys. And then there's a seventh rounder, Ant- Antoine Green. So those are the kind of, I would say, like the three leaders mm-hmm. for one or two jobs. What's your what's your take, Ben? Like, how do you see that uh, wide open competition uh, playing out here in the next few days? I do think it's Coda and Drummond. You know, it, obviously it's one of those names. If they stick with five, I do think it's possible maybe to get two on just because – I think I'm on Ross St. Brown is fine. I believe Dan Campbell when he says his ankle is fine. Watching that yeah. guy run oh, yeah, today, he looks yeah. like I'm on Ross St. Yeah. Brown. So absolutely there. But yeah, I, I, I've been – Jace Cota is one of those guys I kind of – I don't want to say fell in love with because he knew he was going to be a seventh-rounder undrafted guy. But just I like the way he uses his size. He's someone that you don't expect him to be as tall as he's going to be. And I think that could be helpful. Because when you make that Denzel Mims trade, everybody's thinking Mims might be that last guy in that room. And all of a sudden you're going from a former second round pick with some sexy height and leaping ability to we're talking about Dylan Drummond, a five-year EMU player who had to get here by a tryout and Chase Coda, Brady Breeze's cousin from Oregon. So <laughs> just uh, I I think Coda's receiving ability, but man, it's really hard just to keep Drummond is like tom kennedy this year it's hard to keep him off this roster because he's done everything he's been asked to do he's been solid in games he's been consistent in camp he was consistent in the spring and i mean dan campbell said it more than once that he is where you expect him to be every time you expect him to be somewhere and that stuff counts and i mean he's he's picked up the slack on special teams a little bit and that that's that's what it's going to come down to is kind of who they feel can be that fifth option if somebody goes down while also contributing on special teams. I could see him taking both, but like at this point, it's probably going to be one. And I think just based on what he could bring to the passing attack and what we've kind of seen in these ugly preseason games, I kind of do lean Chase Coda right now, but it is wide open. I do think it's wide open. I, in my last roster projection going into the, the preseason finale, I, I, had, I was trying not to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I've got it up here. Um, I had Coda as a fifth receiver and no sixth receiver. I haven't been overwhelmed by the fifth, sixth receivers in camp. I think ultimately we could be looking at a situation where they roster a guy or two. And then once there's um, 500 receivers on the market um, after cuts across the league, they could bring a different guy in. Could be a trade at some point too. I think this is the kind of year where you push your chips in. And if you don't feel like a Coda, or a drum that is going to help you in the way that you need if there are injuries. And let's face it, we've seen a ton of injuries at yeah. receiver. Um, it could be a situation where they bring in better depth options um, into that competition. But as the roster stands, I like Coda more than Drummond personally. Mm-hmm. I look at Drummond as a poor man's Amon Ross St. Brown. And listen, Drummond has probably been the most productive player or receiver, certainly, on the second team. Yeah. Um, 
And so it's hard to take that away from him. You, you, you know, it, like he's done everything that's been asked of him as a guy in that role. But when I look at him, he's like Amon Ra in that he's not especially fast. He's not especially big. Right. Um, the difference is that Amon Ra does everything else like, you know, it's he's just unreal in terms of the precision with his route running and explosiveness. And uh, he's also just a monster between the years. I mean, I would not want to pick a fight with that guy because no. <laughs> he would F me up. Um <laughs> Uh, and so Drummond is like I, I the thing with Drummond is that he's done really well in camp. He's caught a lot of footballs, and I think that's worth something. But when I look at him, I think what is his NFL trait? What can you put on the field on a Sunday against the very best in the world? Not these other backups you're seeing in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And what is he going to do to get open? And I'm not sure that he has that. That's the concern for me. Whereas Coda, uh, he's been less productive in camp than Dylan Drummond, but. He's been really productive in the last couple of weeks. He's finished really strong, which which does matter. And he has the size that you alluded to. He's six foot four. He's the biggest receiver in camp. And so while he might not be an explosive guy for you in the field or what have you, he's a guy I think you could throw out there in the red zone, for example, he can make plays. And he did catch a touchdown pass from Jared Goff um, against the Jaguars yeah. during red zone drills. Um, he did catch the one-yard touchdown pass in the preseason game against the, the Jaguars. Um so that's why I went with Coda over Drummond. Now, just to put a bow on that little conversation, to play as devil's advocate with my own <laughs> argument, you know, you mentioned Tom Kennedy. They took Tom Kennedy last year because he was a guy that did everything right, put in all the extra work. He was a guy the coaching staff could trust. He might not be the biggest or fastest guy, but you, the coaching staff could trust him not to mess up, to do what was asked. And if you need to make a catch here or there, you can do it. And Drummond has some of that to him. Um, I mean, like you'll hear in the interview in the back end of this, um, he is with Khalif Raymond, one of the last two guys off the field damn near every day. You know, he had maybe a drop or two in in camp, but drops were not an issue for him. It seemed like he had really good route running. Um, The work ethic is is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I I swear to you, if Jamison Williams had Dylan Drummond's work ethic after practice, (laughs) We would not be having the conversation that we are about Jamison Williams. Um, <laughs> We'd have 200 more so, Substack subscribers. Too. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what they're going to do, Ben. I would take Coda. It wouldn't surprise me if they took Drummond because of some of the X Factor stuff that we're talking about. And hey, they could carry both um, behind the big four. Antoine Green, the seventh round pick, is also in there too. But for me, he's just been too inconsistent yeah. and has not been good enough on special teams mm-hmm. to warrant a spot. I've been waiting to see the speed that we heard about. And I just like, I, I feel like I've seen very little from Antoine Green and I feel like I've kept looking. So I kind of, I kind of like looking at this as Drummond and Coda and or situation right now. And, you know, Maurice Alexander's done his best, but you talk about undersized and how does he fit in? I mean, that's just an unfortunate situation for him because he's somebody that puts his best out there in those preseason games too, two years in a row. But yeah, Drummond and Coda, and I do lean Coda based on what you said, his size, that kind of natural red zone ability just with that size and slipperiness. The Lions wrap up the preseason on Friday night. Uh, and by night, I mean night, night, <laughs> 8 p.m., <laughs> which is the Beat Raiders' worst nightmare preseason. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be up all night covering a game no one cares about. Um, they're off over the weekend, Ben, as uh, Team Brass, led by Brad Holmes, makes some really difficult decisions with a very deep roster. Um, cuts are due by uh, 4 p.m. Tuesday. Tuesday. We should see those 
roll in over the weekend and particularly on Monday heading into Tuesday. I think we're going to know a lot of those um, spots that we're talking about before, well before the deadline at, at 4 p.m. Tuesday. It's going to be a very busy few days as the Lions set the roster for their, their season opener, which is just two weeks away uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs. With that, let's get to Dylan Drummond, one of the most, I think, intriguing bubble players uh, heading into a um, you know really um, a difficult few days for the Lions as they're setting this roster. Dylan, thank you for joining us. I, I'm just curious. We wanted to talk to you, obviously, with cuts coming up, the, the preseason finale on Friday coming up. Um, you're one of those guys who's a, a great story from camp. You played yourself into the, the roster picture. Just curious what this week has been like for you as you kind of put the bow on a, a really nice training camp. Um, business as usual, I guess. Yeah. Just another week of practice. I try to treat it in a, a every day an opportunity to learn and improve. Yeah. Yeah. Is it stressful at all? Anxiety? I mean, here you- and there, I'll think about it, and then I'll just kind of refocus myself and kind of thinking about that's not going to help anything. I just got to focus on the task on hand, and like today was practice, so today I was focused on practice. Tomorrow it'll be more towards Carolina, and that's what I'm worried about right now. Whatever happens, happens. You know is that I mean? kind of the messaging from the coaches, too? I mean, you got somebody who played in the NFL, like Antoine Randellas, that's just kind of like, just go about it like you've been going about it? Um, yeah, pretty much. I mean, they, we, they don't t- talk too much about, you know, what's going to happen on these, on these upcoming cut days, but, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't do much, but do what you've been doing. I feel like that's what I've been trying to do. You have one of the great stories of, of the summer going from not getting drafted, getting no contracts after the draft. You get one call, right, about a tryout in mm-hmm. Detroit. You had a, a local workout here during the draft process. They call you with the one opportunity and you come out here. I, I, I guess what was your tryout like during rookie minicamp those three days? Um, can you take us back Back to the, that, that week? Yeah, it feels like forever ago, but yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely like exciting. So like obviously yeah. getting the call, the only call, I was really excited just to come here and be able to showcase my abilities, which I wasn't going to be able to if I hadn't gotten that call right. So it was uh, excitement's probably the best words I can use. And then after that, it was just kind of like trying to prove myself, I guess. So yeah. coming out here every day and just trying to give the coaches a reason to yeah. want to keep it. You've been a productive player since you got out here. I guess I'm, I'm curious as a you know, small school guy, as a guy who didn't even get signed out of the draft, a tryout guy, did you expect when you got here to be as productive uh, as you've been? You've, I mean, all summer you've been one of the most productive guys on the field. Um, I can't say that I expected to be this productive or didn't. I just always just tried to be in the right spot. I mean, I just feel like when you try to go outside of yourself and make plays and that's when things go wrong I just feel like I just tried to be myself and be the player I always have been things kind of just fall into place that way can you take us back to the moment when the Lions told you they're going to give you a contract after the trial yeah I mean um, I was just eating lunch I was getting ready to drive back to Cleveland um, and then I was just throwing my plates away I was going to go to the locker room grab my stuff and leave and I got a text um, asking if I was still in the building so then I said yes as quick as I could and then <laughs> told me to meet him out in the hallway and they kind of let me know which was really, yeah. was really cool now, what did they tell you stuck out about your tryout? Because it is rare, not only to get signed like that, to, but to make it this far, yeah. too. What did, what was the feedback? What stuck um, out? I think my my uh, knowledge of the playbook was something that really helped me, um, something I've always thought I've been pretty good at. Um, I think that definitely stuck out to the coaches, and I'm able to quick, pick things up pretty quickly, I think, and um, translate that to the field. I say it's focused on this week, but, I mean, Khalif Raymond is someone who's got a crazy story Absolutely. to get to these two multi-year contracts. I mean, is there... 
any conversations with him to kind of prepare you for the future? I mean, the road he's been and you see him, he found a home, he's stuck, just kind of like, how has that guidance been? Oh, definitely. He's just, he's just kind of been walking me through it. You know what I mean? Every day after practice, him and I are out here and we talk about different things, whether it's, whether it's just life stuff or football stuff. I'll ask his advice and he's always, he's always got sound advice and he really helps me out with everything. So. What's been your favorite moment of camp? On the field, off the field? Probably, I'd say, jogging out on the Ford Field probably for the first game, first NFL game. That was pretty cool. Did you have to sing a rookie song? Not yet. <laughs> Not yet? Don't. Yeah, keep that on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any pipes? I can sing a little bit, but yeah. I don't know. What would be your pick if you had to See, like, everyone's taking all the good songs, you know what I mean? There's so many people that's gone. All the, like, the old classics are taken, I feel like. So I was going to sing some country. I don't know if the guys are going to like it that much, but... I'll do it. <laughs> I was going to say Jack Campbell, Country Boy Can Survive. Yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> 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 no, yeah, it was fun, though. Um, we'll get you out of here with this. I, I know you went golfing during the draft to kind of take yeah. your mind off things. Do you have uh, something in mind for cut weekend, for the weekend coming up when you're uh, setting the roster? Uh, not right now. I haven't really yeah. given it much thought. You know, just trying yeah. to focus on Carolina, but yeah. just, just relax. Business as usual. Dylan, thank you very much. Thank you. Cool. This has been Ben Raven and Kyle Mikey of MLive's Detroit Lions Beat. Thank you for listening to the Dungeon of Doom, an MLive Detroit Lions podcast. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast, Apple, Spotify, Google. Like I said, wherever you get them and listen to them, make sure to subscribe to the Dungeon of Doom. Thanks again.